Yeah, you've got 11.40. That would How be you doing? Nice. I'm good. I had a great morning. I recorded an interview with uh, John Dupuis, the author of Integral Recovery, somebody that was kind of part of my a book that is very central to my work, and then uh, someone who is also one of the first people that I, I would say I spent time with that works in the recovery field. Um, so... I was inter- I recorded yeah. a great interview with them. I wonder, doesn't Mark? I wonder if Mark Marin gets emails about his intros. Do you think he does? I, yeah, okay. I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm quite positive he does, and yeah. I'm quite positive he doesn't read them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's once in a while he'll read an email. Um, he only reads positive ones. Yeah, uh, that's nice. That's I, good. Yeah. Hmm. You want to talk about it? No, because I feel like we talked about it on the last episode. I mean, it's kind of like the last episode titled Holly and Laura Gross. I mean, I just got another email that was from somebody that said she's not going to be like something about how vulgar we were and something about her being a mom of two boys and and how um, how we just like how we don't need to talk about lesbians, even though she's liberal. And it was just like it was just one of these things that basically is like – just um she doesn't want to listen to us but she also wants to tell like she wants to take the time to tell me and why she's not listening to me and that I should just stick to talking about AA and I wrote I started to write a response and I was like like we're not fucking robots like we actually have lives and we do have sex and sex is part of this and like fast there's fast forward and there's also a lot of other fucking like podcasts there just are and that's how I'm feeling today like I'm feeling today Mm -hmm. like just fuck you like stop like just stop I mean how like Laura how many letters do you write to people to tell them how much you hate what they're doing like I don't know I just am in this like mood today where I just like I never read it I don't know like it popped up in my fucking Facebook feed thing and I I had already read the first line in the like you know as I'm like trying to respond to comments on something and it just was um I mean just I'm not gonna send it I'm not gonna send it I never engage in that conversation like I never go there but I just started to write it and I'm just like it's all of my like you know all of my <laughs> all of my hate I know all of my hate like fast forward it honey fast forward it or don't or just listen don't listen I know, like, like it's not like it's, you said yeah, Sandra that's... and Tammy are not gross they have a great podcast and they are yes. not disgusting. They're your people. Right. Aiden, I'm sure, is not disgusting. I haven't heard her and Jolene be disgusting. It's another really good one. Just don't. No, listen. there's tons. Yeah, there's tons of recovery podcasts. There's un. What is it? Unpickle. Like there's so many. Go there. There's dozens and dozens. Go of them. there. Don't don't listen to Matt, Chris, and Jeff. They're definitely <laughs> gross. They're disgusting. Um, but they're boys, so that's okay. Um, yeah, you know, it's fine. That's okay. Of course, boys whatever. Will be boys. It's totally fine. Yeah, I know. I was just John, like 
John introduced me, and I love John. Like I love John. I, you know, he but he did introduce to me. We were talking about we were talking about eating disorders. Uh, he asked me a question about eating disorder, and he had introduced me, and he had included beautiful in my intro, and I said. What I find is so – I was like, we live in an oppressive society where women's value is tied to their looks. They're treated so differently than men. And I said, for instance, when you introduced me, you said the beautiful Holly Whitaker. And I said, I, I can't remember the last time I introduced a man on my podcast as handsome, even though we do, by the way, talk about how hot Jordan is. Um, <laughs> we do. <laughs> but I don't introduce men as being handsome. I know. And I am, I am, uh, I am introduced as, uh, by my looks sometimes, you know, and it's just, uh, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things and women are, women are held to such different standards. And I do think that this, like this, like the talking about, like, like I said last week, it just has, I do believe it has so much to do with what women are supposed to be and what are, they're Mm -hmm. not supposed to be. And so I am going to talk about my vagina and fucking and my tits and my breath and my B.O. and all of it forever. <laughs> For life. Forever. Okay. I know. Okay. So. I know. I feel – I feel you. Now, that was cathartic. Uh, that was better than responding to that email. Good. Thanks good. for letting me. Mm, okay. So – Jordan Bach, do you want to introduce Jordan? Yeah. Talk? Okay. So no, I feel like we've we've I'm recorded done. a lot this yeah. week. <laughs> I'm so I'm I'm sick of hearing myself talk. Yeah, and this is a really great. I, mean, I feel like we say they're always great, but they always are. And and this one, um, no. <laughs> well, they uh, always are something. You know, something. <laughs> there's something to offer, and everyone. There's something. I, I loved. I loved talking to Jordan. I was. Um, I said to you afterwards, like I, re- I really loved him, and I loved him even more than I expected to. I really um, did which too. Was a lot. I did too. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody um, who was surprised by that. I think. Um, I mean, it comes back to the, the like the visual identity of people. It's so interesting how much stuff we put on people, but that we mm-hmm. that we don't know. Um, and I, I like it's funny. I felt like I felt. Um, somebody that I feel a strong resistance towards. I felt a strong resistance towards Elena Brower at the beginning and I love her now. Mm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that I didn't feel any resistance towards him online or like do do you know what I'm saying? Like there were no I actually had um, no presumptions about him. Um, No, I I felt the opposite. I felt a big draw towards him. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I did too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought I was just – I mean, I knew enough about him. I'd listened to enough interviews with him, and um, I just – I'd have read enough of his stuff uh, to to know what to expect, and, and I was I was not let down. I thought it was a great conversation. Yeah, and he, uh, he talked about a lot of stuff that I didn't necessarily expect, and I was happy to, you know. Like Disclaimer, what? warning, caveat, we get into – some politics. He, he definitely talked openly about, um, when we talked about Donald Trump, we talk about, Mm -hmm. uh, what's going on in the world. And that's part of, I mean, that was what you and I intended to like, we wanted to bring him on to talk about how he seems to, um, stay aware of what's going on in the world and, um, talk about it without dragging it feeling, um, like it's, we asked him basically, 
right? How, how he does that. Um, cause it seems like he does it pretty well. And so we got into stuff and he, he was, I don't know, it's always really nice to see, to like actually get someone's, um, real persona or real realness. Um, when you already had a good idea of who you thought they were and that it pretty much aligns <laughs> and yeah. even surprises you in a, in a good way. And he was just, uh, he's smart and he's definitely, I think, very connected, um, spiritually speaking and firm in his beliefs and does really, he's, he's very clear about the work he's doing in the world and also very funny and goofy. And, you know, like we had a really funny conversation before we started taping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that one of the most, I, I think the part that I, feel regretful that we didn't go into talking a little bit more about was his assertion of like, or his statement about loving Donald Trump, but not liking Donald Trump, hating his policy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really important. I think people assume that you have to hate a person um, to really show disapproval towards what they're doing. Or I think people sometimes just get swept into hating people. And I really think this is an important point because when we're talking about the work that we do, a lot of the people that we service, people that we're here for, do things that would make them be people that we would hate. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? That There's, people that society would hate. Right. And and <laughs> and say are evil or say are disgusting or say, you know, and I think that like this is a really important point because in order to do this work, there's no way I can say I love you no matter what you do to one of our listeners or one of our people and not say that to everybody else. And I think that this is like, there's this, there has to be like, people get so swept up into this fuck Trump thing. And I have a very big aversion to it. I think it is so like the wrong message, especially in the spiritual community. It's not about saying fuck Trump or he's, he's evil. He does evil stuff for sure. Um, But there is a difference. Uh, you, You can't just say, well, I love that person and I don't love that person. I love that person and I don't love that person. Like you actually do have to have the capacity to love serial killers and and the worst humans in the world and because they are of God and also to be able to at the same time, you know, hold uh, you know, hold in your mind that what their actions are the thing that's evil. Um and I just it's such yeah. a controversial thing to say because it makes you sound it it makes yeah. Well, it makes me sound crazy and also like a bullshitter. I don't, yeah, I don't think so, though. And I wouldn't it, I would say, yes, that sounds like like BS. If I hadn't experienced in my own life the effect of hating someone and how um, toxic and like how much it perpetuated um, pain and in on both sides, you know, like I've I've experienced in my and this is kind of what we always talk about, but like, I, I don't know that I could actually find that to be, I could agree with you and like nod my head, but if I hadn't experienced what it's like to actually feel hate and to see what that does to me and how much it, it detracts from any sort of progress or peace, um, in my own life, then I wouldn't be able to say that with like, honesty. You know, I mean, I've had people in my life, family, um, friends, boyfriends that I have felt so much like pure 
just hate for and have done really shitty things. And, um, and that like feeling that there's some righteousness in it, but then it's really corrosive and you, you can see like on a larger scale as you go further out into the world, how destructive it is. And I think it always also always points back to me, you know, when I think I've done, I'm capable and I've done so many things that are shitty, you know? Yeah. And am I, and, and am I a, a an evil person? No. Am I a, a shitty person? No. I'm forgiven. Yeah. You know, I'm forgiven. And so, it, but it's, it's funny because even the most, he has, Donald Trump has brought up um, hate <laughs> speech and hate, um, like a lot of device uh, splitting in people that I didn't, I have never seen that come out yeah. from before, you know? And so I think that's what we talked about. Like it's coming up to be healed. And My mom is on Twitter. I mean, she's 72. <laughs> she wrote, she posted something the other day and she posted something about DACA and she put RT if you agree. And I had to sit there and I was like, what does RT mean? And then I was like, oh my God, it means retweet. My mom knows fucking Twitter abbreviations. Twitter and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it means. Um, yeah, but it has. Tw- she went to, yeah, my mom this week went to a white privilege meeting at the Unitarian Church in Fresno. And, um, and it's just like that, you know, and, and my mom is also the woman that went into Bookshop Santa Cruz with me and bought Ann Coulter's book to make a statement. And so it is a really important thing to understand that what's happening right now, there is this woman and she sent me a letter and it's called, thank you, Donald Trump. Thank you for holding up a mirror for me to see where, Mm. where my hate is, where my intolerance Mm -hmm. is, where my, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that that's what he really is a mirror and a reflection of, of, of where we're at in a society. He's not there by accident. He's there, you know, he's there because he's a reflection of where we're at. Um, and so for us to do the work, it's not, you know, it it doesn't include assassinating him. It's not just getting rid of him. It's not about him. He's just the reflection of where we're at. And, and, and for us to make any sort of change in our country is, it's not about just, it's not about ever going to be about changing him. It's going to be about changing ourselves individually in our lives. And I think this is such an important conversation Jordan and one of the things I wanted to point out was we also wanted him on because he's very spiritual and he he rides that line of spirituality and 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 also awareness and involvement and that's such an important right. thing because so many people do the thing where they just say it's not spiritual to get political and right. um anyway the bypassing of of certain topics and I mean I'm guilty of that too you know I've been, I'm I've so done that guilty in the of past that. I'm so guilty of so, that so yeah, so it turned out to be we went where we wanted to go, and then um, he he is just great and loved He's having him on. And great boy, like doesn't he have such I a great like voice? Butter. Yeah, I thought he has a. I thought it was it was a great interview. Um, so there we go. Oh, and you can find mm-hmm. him at thebachbook.com. Right, mm-hmm. correct. Uh, yeah, and then the you can also, he's got a great social media account, um, the Bach Book, um, on Instagram. And um, he's got a great social media account. Did I just say that? He's got a great Instagram <laughs> account. <laughs> I was like, which one? <laughs> I don't know. Remember when someone in, our, when in one of our workshops goes, what, in, what's, what 
because we were talking about where you can find us. And she goes, what Instagram? And I thought she was saying, what What's is Instagram? Instagram? And I started to go into a room of like 80 people, started to explain Instagram. What Instagram is. And you, oh, God. She was, was just little, like, And you nope. were like, nope. I'm asking which account. I was like, you know, two minutes into it. What, oh, what did you even say? Were you just like, Instagram is this it's thing? It's like Facebook, but. No, you did little- not. I just. No, I, I said something awful. It was awful. But it was funny. It was honest. It was really I really funny. didn't know. And honest, and, and it's possible. I mean, that's like, honest, that's quite possible, but it was really yeah, funny. Yeah, some people She's are. Like, no, I know. I know. <laughs> got, got the Instagram thing down. Looking for the handle. Oh, Lord. I know. Wow. Anyway, okay. Well, here is Jordan. Here is Jordan. Here we go. Hey, Jordan. Hello. Hello. I'm happy to be here today. <laughs> We're so happy. It's so awkward to start talking when you've been talking. Already. I know. <laughs> to, be, to pretend. Well, pretend it's all new. Oh, Hello. Hi. Hey, Good Jordan. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, finally. <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, it's like kind of, it's super morning here. It's not super morning there. It's like 10 a.m. there, right? It's 11 a.m. 11. Yeah. 11, yeah. Eastern in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in New York, right? You're in Manhattan? Downtown New York City, baby. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How long have you been there? I'm going on my 13th year. Wow. New York City. Yeah. I guess that officially makes me a New Yorker. They say, you know, it's mm-hmm. 10 years until you're a New Yorker. But for me, the second the plane landed at JFK <laughs> Airport 13 <laughs> years ago, I was like, I'm home. That's what I'm it's in. always felt like for me. Yeah. So I, I felt like I was a New Yorker a year in. Yeah. I would, I would walk awesome. around telling people I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. Well, I think when <laughs> you like, Boston, I get that. Or you're from Laura. I know. I know. It was so fun when I learned that. You're like from South Shore. I'm North Shore. I can I can do this whole uh, whole radio interview in a Boston accent if you want me to. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, though. That'd be I, weird. I that'd thought be weird. that the Boston accent we've talked like there. It's very strange to me that not all Bostonians have that accent. I thought they all would. What is up no. with that? What's my, up with both that? Both of my both of my mother and my father have a strong Boston accent. Okay. And my brother does too. He stuck around longer. Okay. But my sister and I both moved to New York around the same time, and I've taken some some speech class. I, I never really had it, but I like uh, yeah. speaking clearly, yeah. and so I, yeah. I think I just beat it out of me. It's hard to <laughs> to uh, pinpoint my region, but I can always spot it when I'm out uh, talking to people. Yeah. I can always spot <laughs> even the yeah. littlest bit. It's either Boston or New Hampshire or Maine. It's that regional. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or even Rhode Island has. Yeah, or Rhode Island sometimes gets you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love those accents. I think they're great. I was really disappointed to find that not many. I. I mean, all my times there, I have not encountered it. Um, so it's at all. Like what, what I pointed it out to, you and I said I really wish that there were more people here that had the Boston accent, 
And then um, and then we went in some store and there were people that had it and I got really excited. But for the most part, it's... <laughs> I mean, I get excited. <laughs> Even in New York, I get excited when I hear I just, uh, an accent. <laughs> uh, even this morning, someone, um, someone, uh, someone buzzed me for a package and I heard his accent and I closed, after I received it and closed the door, I said to myself, you should have asked him if he was from Boston. <laughs> so he was like, here's your package. Here's your package. I got it wrong. <laughs> well, I like, like Family Guy was one of my favorite shows and, um, and that's a Boston accent. Like Seth MacFarlane does a lot of Boston accents. And um, also, what else? Um, I know there's, oh yeah, Good Will Hunting. Yes, and lots of movies. Yeah, how so, about them apples? Yeah, and I feel like I have a pretty strong California accent. I feel like accents are really important. Um. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so this is, guys, this is yeah, actually yeah. a show about accents. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's all we're going to talk about today. Regional dialect. 101. Regional dialect. 101. Jordan Bach. Oh, my God. Okay, You're well, let's. You're stealing his precious time at <laughs> Well, these are okay. things we really need to know. Um, no, but I think like that the, the way we want to start off is just by understanding like what do you like what do you do? I mean, you like what do, what is it that you do? Who are you? What do you do? We have our perception of what you do, so, but what is your day to day? What's your work? What's your day to day job? Day to day, my bread and butter is one on one life coaching. Okay, and that's what I do every day. Um, there's something that I feel is missing from my schedule and from my life if I don't speak one-on-one -on -one with someone um, about what's going on in their life and sort of um, offer a space where they can talk about it and figure it out, um, where we can figure it out together. I, it, when I, I've tried to stop doing it for a while, yeah. and those are the times when I look back and say something was missing. And so even as I scale my business, because it's, it's really hard to scale one-on-one, -on -one one. because it's, it's yeah. hour to hour, really. Um, and so even as I scale my business, I hope I don't lose um, touch with the one-on-one -on -one aspect. Um, because, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are, who are in this field of, of, of wellness, uh, higher consciousness, if you will. And as mm -hmm. they scale their businesses, they, they can sometimes lose sight of that one-on-one -on -one personal connection. And in this age of Aquarius where we are so, you know, th this is an age of paradox. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk a, a, a bit about that in a bit, I suppose. But in this age of paradox, one of the things is that we are so connected technologically. We are more connected than ever. I can, mm -hmm. in, right after I get off this podcast, I can be on a call with someone in Dubai right. in a heartbeat, right? Speaking ostensibly live, maybe a mil, uh, those few milliseconds in difference. But in, in this age, we're also clearly, I don't need to expand, more disconnected than ever, right? right. right. And yeah. so yep. I find that it's really important um, because, you know, I'm connected with thousands of people every day on social media. That's mm -hmm. my... Uh, another part of my job is to connect with people on the internet and to share ideas on the internet about uh, higher consciousness. Uh, but it's really important to have those one-on-one -on -one connections in this age. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's real interesting because I, I stopped doing one-on-one coaching. It was just not, it was something that absolutely drove me. It was just not my thing. It was really, mm-hmm. really hard for me to do just based on my personality type. And I think the one-on-one connection is something that I have to get through other means. But I think it's, I think it's interesting. It, it is, it's a really hard, it is a very hard thing to, to scale. And I want to talk about that, but I actually want to go back to, um, Jordan, can you tell us what the age of Aquarius is, please? The age of Aquarius. <clears throat> I was going to ask that too. Well, you have the age of Pisces, which um, Christ brought in. Jesus of Nazareth brought in about, and these cycles are, I think, about 2,500, 22 to 2,500 years in mm-hmm. length. Mm-hmm. And so age of Pisces was more an age of leadership, uh, w- which is to say an age of there being um, a hierarchical mm-hmm. leadership, um, a structure. You saw the birth of institutions. You saw um, like church and f- formal state. And now the age of Aquarius is an age of, um, of higher consciousness. It's a, a rising from that. Uh, it's an evolving, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't leave behind what is passing. You incorporate it. This mm-hmm. is true in astrology as much as, as, as it's true in life. You don't okay. so much as um, pretend that the past didn't exist, but you incorporate it meaningfully into your life. And so um, we can take these institutions now in the age of Aquarius. We have an opportunity to take these institutions and bring a sense of humanitarian consciousness, which is the heart of Aquarius. Yeah. Uh, it, into them and um, a sense of community. And that's the challenge and the great opportunity that's being presented to us with technology. Can we use it to really truly connect um, like we're doing today? You know, the fact that we met on the internet, we met over a platform called Instagram. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now today we're connected and we're sharing ideas that are meaningful and, and, uh, hopefully truly helpful for some people. And this is the energy that we need to, uh, with which we need to use technology. That's the Aquarian age. Yeah. And I think it's real interesting too, because I think it's important to also note that the the age of Aquarius, and this is, this is primarily Kundalini. This is a yogic philosophy, but like the age of Aquarius is also about secrets. You know, hierarchies are built on secrets who had the information where the, you know, was at the top of the Mm -hmm. hierarchies. And that was what really permitted that hierarchical, um, structure and now there are no secrets like information is available to everybody and also like a, a the paradox of that as well is that there's information overload and yada yada but the interesting thing about what we're talking about is that there's also that idea that there are like that there are no more secrets is really I think central to the type of work like this podcast for instance like we talk about things right. that typically we're you know we're we're not discussed that we're we're held in the shadows um, but it's, um, I love that you brought up the age of Aquarius. You're a Kundalini teacher. I know. Yeah. yeah and it's I, never um, come up. Yeah. I, I'm a Kundalini yoga and meditation teacher. It's a technology that, um, is really, it's just so, um, yeah. And you know, it also speaks to the Kundalini yoga and meditation speak so, so powerfully to the, to the principles of the age of Aquarius, because this is an age also that is not based on belief, like the Piscean age. Mm-hmm. This is an age that is based on experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so as you 
go into a Kundalini yoga class. If you don't know anything about it, Google it, find someone who's practice, practicing it near you or who has a studio near you, go to a Kundalini yoga class knowing nothing about it. That's the best way you can go to experience <laughs> <Yeah>. Kundalini yoga. <laughs> just go in there knowing, knowing not what you're going to do um, and just have an experience and keep your mind open. Um, yeah. the, it's a, it's called the yoga of awareness. I, I sort of call it the yoga of, of experience because what's happening in your mind and in your body is totally yours. Um, it has no, you, there's no way to do it wrong. Really? Um, sometimes you'll just open one eye in the class and everyone's doing a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part yes, of the we've experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you, Cause you open your eye to go, am I doing it right? And then everyone else is like, everyone, you know, you're supposed to have your hands at 60 degrees. Someone has them at 180. Someone has them down on the floor and, and, but everyone's smiling and like having such a great time. And that's the point is it's not about, mm -hmm. it's not, we're moving out of the age the Piscean age of it um, being looking a certain way. Right. Uh, the Piscean age yeah. of um, Jewish law, you know, halakha, which is uh, you have to do these things for the reason for the because um, if you don't do them, like circumcision, for example, if you don't, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus sort of came along and was like, no, 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 circumcision happens in the heart. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't actually. Yeah. Need do this, you don't need to do this one, two, three by the book thing, like in Kundalini yoga, it, it's happening in your heart. If the intention is there, uh, it's happening. I so love that you said that. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of what Holly and I have been talking about lately on the, on the show. And I've never really put it in that context before. So that's awesome and, and super helpful. Um, okay. So where, how did you get to be doing what you're doing? And I know this could be a, an entire series of shows, but sort of the the quick drive through like where you started and what brought you to being this coach and public so, figure. Right? So, mm -hmm. You know, when I was, I went to Parsons School of Design. That's why I came to New York. Okay. And I studied design management was my major, which is basically brand strategy. Mm -hmm. And because I've always been interested in, in, um, I mean, my advanced brand strategy class, you know, one of the few classes I got an A in, um, I, everyone was doing like, I'm, I'm going to design a brand, a fashion brand or like a new, like chic fashion cafe or, and mm -hmm. I, I said, I want to do an American house cleaning brand, like an American uh, house product, like laundry detergent thing, because I've always been interested in like, in the, the feeling behind things. Mm -hmm, and like, okay. and so at the time I was interested in like, what's the whole ideology and the whole, um, impetus that leads, um, housewives, you know, like, having a clean, having a perfect home and the idea behind things. So that's why I was interested in branding. I loved the the whole notion that, yeah, you're going in and you're just buying a product, but there's meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. I've always been sort of a, a meaning maker. And when I graduated school, I started interviewing for these marketing jobs and it was, it was so, it was in such stark contrast, these jobs that I was being offered to 
what I, the heart of what I wanted to do, which was make meaning for people. And right. I went to one terrible interview at, and I'll say the, the company's name, uh, at Club Monaco. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and the woman was so incredibly rude to me. And the salary, granted, it was an entry-level position, but the salary was so low, it, w- it would preclude someone um, from actually living in New York City. Yeah. And so I said, you know, because it costs money to live here, how do you expect me to go, go show up at the office every day at 8 a.m. when I'd have to travel, you know, an hour and a half to get here, you know? Um, and so I said, why is the salary so low? And she said, well, Jordan, you will have access to exclusive events Will you where you know, you'll be able to meet celebrities. And I I looked around and said, thank you so much for your time. Mm -hmm. And I walked out and on that cloudy day in West Chelsea, New York, I walked out of that building and said, I'll never do that again. Mm. And that was the last job, job interview I've I've ever been on. And at that point I, I had no money. I went back to Boston to live with my mom right out of college. And for those, you know, six months, I, I said, I'm going back, but I'm not going back to sit around and mope. I'm going back to figure out what I'm here on this planet to do. And so you were young. That's like pretty young to have that reckoning with yourself. Yeah, 20, 21 or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and, um, and, and I sat down and I, and I wrote in my journal, um, um, I actually read that letter um, on video for people. Yeah, on I watched website. that. I, I wrote, I, it's called My Letter to God. And I said, I know I'm here for a reason. Um, show me, what would you have me do? Mm-hmm. And, and about a week later, I went over to my bookshelf and there was a book there that I don't know how it got there. I'm not saying it appeared by, by some you know, divine force, but someone must have put it. It wasn't my book. It showed up. I pull it off the bookshelf and I was just really drawn to it. So I get into bed with the book and the title of the book is The Tragedy of Today's Gaze by Larry Kramer, who's a gay activist and has been for decades and decades. And I read that book in one night. And for the first time, um, I felt, even though I I came out when I was 12 years old, I think precisely because I came out when I was 12 years old in a family that was accepting of me and I had my Mm -hmm. gay quote unquote uncles always around me um, growing up, I never thought that there was anything wrong with it. It was just sort of in the background of who I was. It wasn't something I thought of. But when Mm -hmm. I read that book, I realized how many people are suffering, how many Mm -hmm. LGBT people are suffering. And instantly, um, because I... I had said that prayer, show me, where would you have me go? I think what prayer does is creates a psychological opening through which you can perceive God's guidance to you. Mm-hmm. And so I was open and I, and I took that to be a sign. Um, sometimes we say, we ask, we, uh, we, we, we say, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And I've asked for signs, but are you looking for them? Are right. you accepting them when they're being shown you? You know, right. I, I need right. a sign that I'm going to break. Should I break up with him or shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. You know, and then the, the, the next night he, uh, he like says that one insult that you told yourself no one could ever say to you. Uh, and then the next day you're sleeping with him. It's like, <laughs> no, the signs are right in front of you, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. they're yeah. right in front of you. So for me, I said, this is it. Um, I need to speak to gay people and I need to help them have the experience that I had growing up. Right. Um, what it's like to have sort of like 
uh, unlearned fearful thoughts about yourself and realize that you're mm. a child of God. And then um, a couple of days later, I ran into uh, some, uh, a friend who someone had introduced me to named Gabby Bernstein. And mm-hmm. it was another rainy day. I, I have a weather memory. I have I can remember the weather. <laughs> so do I. You're back in New York, obviously, then. So this is like I had come back to New York. I was doing odd jobs. I was like a fit model for, for um, mm-hmm. some designers and stuff, um, which means nothing. It's, it means you're in the back room. You're not that <laughs> <up>. <laughs> <laughs> you were making money. <laughs> I was making a little money, but you know, I remember that like those weeks of having a having a hundred dollars just for the week, mm-hmm. and it's like, and then I was, you know, thank God I have like some pretty cool friends who are well off and who are yeah. like, let's go to dinner, let's go to dinner, come to this party, come to this party, and so I was going, I was like, yes, I'll come to dinner, <laughs> I'll come to dinner. <laughs> I'm tired of yeah, I'm tired of like the uh, you know soup out of the cup of soups and whatnot. But um, a couple of days later, I, I ran into Gabby Bernstein and I said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm thinking I want to help people. And she just looked at me and said, start now. And I said, start now. What do you mean? And she said, I want you to go home. I mean, you create a website and I want you to offer something to people that costs money. I want you to give a helpful offering people that costs money. Go home and do that now. And I said, no. Were you well, like... What? I, well, no, I, I, I'm a re, I choose to believe I'm a reasonable person. And so I said, um, I, I, do, I need certification first. Mm-hmm. I need, I, yeah. already looked up and it's going to be like $7,000 and take like a year and a half. And <laughs> I, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't have the time and I don't have the money. And she said, start now. Yeah. She said, what, uh, what year is this? Said, this yeah, what, what year is it? 2011. Okay. 2010. Okay. Okay. 2010. Like seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah, like seven okay. years ago. It's, it's like seven or eight years ago. Yeah, seven years ago. Okay. And so she said, Jordan, I don't have certification. And I said, What? You're a multiple yeah. best selling author. I mean, I, I, you know, you, you literally, people will run up to her when we're together and start crying. You've changed my life. You saved my life. And, and I thought, you don't have a, a certification? She goes, go home now. Go home now. Start today. So that week I started and I haven't stopped. Yeah. I think that, I'm glad you brought yeah, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the certification thing is such a like, uh, it was what I started out with. I just, that was the first thing that came to mind. And there's so many times I wanted to quit to just go and get like a certification. And the funny thing is that people rarely ask me what my certifications are. It's just not, a, it's like when, like it's one of these things that we have like, abs- that we put up in our mind as a barrier to be able to do the thing we want to do. Like we think a certificate from somebody um, or like some sort of, I don't know, like some, just like some sort Credential. of letter or credential right that it's like going to make us who we already are um you want to talk about that a little bit like if people ever asked you what your certifications are very rarely people don't really ask about my certifications i think if you watch my videos online if you um hear me speak you can kind of get an idea about where i'm coming from and and my ideas and how i think about things and i think that that's what um you know that's what that, that that's how i uh, attract clients. Um, I will say though, 
that there are some people for whom certification, uh, the training, I should say, not the certificate, but the training um, could be helpful. Um, right. If you don't, if you really, do, it could give people, you know, it can give people and does give people the confidence um, and the basic tools um, to begin. So right. this isn't a, a condemnation of certification. It's sort of, or rather I should say training, training, right. training, yes, training, yes. training. The certificate is what you get as a result to, to say, I've been through this particular training. Right. Um, for me, working with people one-on-one for thousands of hours Right. Is my training right? Um, right. And I wanted well, to jump right away. Your experience yeah. is your training, and yeah. everybody has to start somewhere. But I do, I agree. I think training is incredibly important in acquiring the skill set. But I think that a lot of people get really held up by this idea that they need to have like these certain specific credentials in order to go out and do and X, Y, people. or Z. Right? No, you exactly. Can help people and you can charge money for it. Period. End right. of story. Let's move on. Help right. people, and it's okay to charge money for it if you. You know, it, it, it's crazy to me. It is crazy to me that there is less um, moral stigma against a violent video game maker who drives around in a Rolls Royce Phantom yeah. than there is <laughs> of someone who is waking up every morning and their prayer is, God, use me. Yeah. How can I be helpful? So true. A peacemaker. There is more stigma against the peacemaker who is, you know, posting a photo of their of their fancy vacation then there is of people who are actually forget about just you know being quote unquote neutral which doesn't exist uh but actually perpetuating harm um yeah it's that that idea is just crazy to me so if you're going out and helping people you deserve to pay rent and have food and not just food but good food god's food you deserve to be really taken care of. So if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about helping people, uh, go out and help people. And certainly you can do it for free in the beginning to get some, to get your, you know, to get your wheels turning, but then don't, you know, be, feel confident charging. God really wants you to live a life where you feel supported, where you feel really supported. And in this world, Let's not pretend that we live in a world where money doesn't exist. Uh, if, if you want to be somewhere where money doesn't exist, um, there are places around the world where you can go. But right. here, where, 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 where Laura and Holly and, and, and I are, money exists. Yeah. Uh, yes, and so we does. have to be a part of this world in order to transform it by using money in a way that's um, responsible and for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah, we did a show on money a couple episodes back. We did actually two parts on it, and that was like the main message in this. And you're right, there's there's like people people expect somebody on Wall Street to have you know a multi million dollar income, and you know, and people that are not necessarily adding to the world. And then you look at a healer or somebody that is it's like like even even me when I started this, and and I'm working in addiction. I'm helping people get sober, and there was. there's a lot of expectation that you don't charge people when you're doing something like this. You're like Mm -hmm. that this is something that should be given for free. And it is, it's one of those things that there's just, it's so again, paradoxical and it's so incredibly wrong. People that are helping people absolutely deserve to make. Um, Well, you know what Gabby Bernstein said to me, which was, which I thought was really great and very practical. And as a double Capricorn, Capricorn sun, Capricorn rising, and my Vir- my moon in Virgo. I'm triple earth. I need mm-hmm. reason and logic. 
um, practicality. She said very, very simply, most of my content is free. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's great because, and so many, you know, I have a product that is very popular called bedtime mantras and it is an album of guided prayers. Uh, and that's $30. Yeah. Yeah. And so if people want to go to sleep with me every night, uh, with a, a different <laughs> prayer every night, it's, it's, that's $30. Um, and you can, and if you don't have $30, if you, or if you ha- can't save up $30, you can get my videos. You can follow me on every social media platform yeah, that's right. and mm-hmm. be in touch with me every single day. That's right. Um, so most of my stuff is free Yeah. and, yeah. and, and, and that's a nice way to think about it moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that and also um, the idea that what you do give is always like one of the most important principles, I think, is that the people that you serve, no matter how much they pay, if it's $30 or if it's free or if it's, you know, whatever you charge for your coaching, that they feel that they've received a higher, you know, they've received more value from what they put out, right? Like money's just, it's just a transfer of value. But um, Mm Yeah. Can I shift us? Please. Let's, let's. Okay. So I, uh, Holly and I, um, I was going to ask about the, the news piece, Holly, or do you want to ask about it? I know you had it on your mind. To ask. Yeah, 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 you can go. Okay. So I, you know, I found you, I don't even know when, probably a few years ago. And I, there's a lot of people that you can potentially follow. There are a lot of teachers, especially in this space, but you always definitely stood out to me. Um, you you can tell when there's something, um, the energy of something true and real. Mm-hmm. Um, even when, you know, even when it looks really good, um, which can sometimes be deceiving and, and your stuff is, and now it makes sense because you're a designer, you have a design, you know, aesthetic sense that your stuff is like, looks really good and you look really good. Like you're mm-hmm. a good looking guy. And Very good looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it's Thank like, you. oh, I, be- but I believe him. Like I really believe him. And not that those two things should be in contrast, but sometimes they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm hyper mm-hmm. aware of that. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like my BS meter is I think pretty tuned. And I have always just, I've never questioned the, um, the truthfulness behind and the, the realness behind you and your message. And so that's a lead into this question is um, even, you know, as we have grown into where we are today and the times that we are in today in 2017 in this country, I've probably become even more um, attuned to who I want to listen to you know, based on, um, based on what's going on and what they have to say about it and how they sort of contend with, with, um, with that, with the reality that we're living in and, and also their personal message. Right. And I think Holly and I both, um, feel like you have done a really good job of staying balanced. You seem to stay balanced in the awareness, like you keep awareness of what's going on, but you are able to level up the message and you don't, it doesn't seem like you're drowning in it or that you have, like, you definitely have an agenda, but it is, um, I don't know, you, you go high, you seem to consistently go high with your message. And I'm just curious how you do that and what your thoughts are on it. Can I add one thing to that? 
it also mm-hmm. like it's grounded in the awareness you're not spiritually bypassing the shit that's going on in the world i think right. like that's the clearest right. part of that i don't know how you can i i i i don't know i i don't know maybe it's because i grew up in a family we my parents encouraged us i, I mean my parents treated us like adults mm-hmm. and i do the same thing for my sister's children um in what way, though? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, practically speaking, we were just on we were just um, on a on a ho- on a holiday, um, <laughs> on or rather, I should say, not a, a holiday. I was on a holiday. Were you? <laughs> Do you call well, it that? Where, holiday. <laughs> we were holidaying. Um, we were in the country. Um, no, we were away. I was away with my sister's family, and you know, Elsa, little Elsa, who's like five years old now. Uh, is just the sweetest. She's gorgeous. She's my niece is the most gorgeous little supermodel. Her legs are like 10 feet tall. It's, um, it's incredible. And she's so sweet, but like all little girls do, you know, they, you know, talk like this and I don't know if I want to go and I don't want to do that. And then, and then someone will say, well, Elsa, if you want to go, then you well, have to do that. And then she's like, but I don't want you. And then finally, I just started speaking to her like this. I said, okay, mm-hmm. so do you tell me what the deal is? Do you, well, you know, and as I spoke to her like an adult, she began to act like an adult. Mm-hmm. Her voice dropped. She started speaking normally. And it was really one of the first times I've heard her speak like an adult because I was speaking to the adult in her. Yeah. How old is she? She's five. Five. Wow. Okay. And when I, and, and I have to remind myself to do that with her, to speak like an adult and to expect, um, an adult to speak back to me, um, with, with her experience as a five-year-old, I know she's not going to have sophisticated, necessarily (laughs) necessarily have sophisticated thought, uh, you you know, well-formed concepts of the world. But, um, I think we need to speak to each other like adults. Mm. Um, I always thought when I was little growing up that grownups all acted like adults. Turns out they don't. (laughs) No. God, that's so true. So did I, man. And what, and when you, then all of a sudden there's this weird, it happened like not maybe in the past five years when I got to be at a certain level in my career, like I used to work in advertising and I realized that all of the quote unquote adults, we were all clueless. Like everyone was guessing. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea. I saw my mom talking to the other moms and I was like, whoa, they are grown up. Whoa. That's like, they are advanced. You know, they're, they're really grownups. And then you go online and, and you see adults speaking to each other in such a way that is so childish. Grow up, Right. grow up, take responsibility for how you feel, take responsibility for your emotions. Uh, You can certainly speak about them. You can say, uh, you know, what that's offensive. Um, I'll tell you why it's offensive. Um, I think there's another way you could go about saying that that would maybe offend less people. Let me know what you think. You know, just grow up. Be an adult about it. I think there's an infantilization um, that happens, particularly in the spiritual community. Um, Mm. Grow up. Be tough. We should be the toughest people in the room. We should, which is to say, we, it, that's not to say that we put up a wall, 
it's to say we know that we have a psychic immune system that can handle a hit, that can right. take a hit. Mm-hmm. And so the spiritual people in the room should be the most mature among us. My parents growing up, my point was my parents growing up at the table, at the kitchen table, um, had us, they, they wanted to know our thoughts about things. They asked us what mm. our thoughts were. So we had to stand, we had to have a voice. Um, and in my- Take up some space. We had to, we, we really, each of us, I can honestly say for, you know, and we all, everyone had a tr- traumatic childhood, relatively speaking, okay? And yeah. that said, um, for that, that said, my parents did that well. They really. <laughs> you they just had a thought. I want to know what the thought us is. To take up space. <laughs> they allowed us to take up space. They really did. They allowed us to take up space. And and when I was young, I stammered and I stuttered, and it was very difficult for me to speak clearly. And that's because I was the youngest, and people spoke over me, and I and I was trying to edge. I couldn't find a. I couldn't you know get a word in edgewise, as they say. It was hard for me to take up space with my voice. And look at me now. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. So can we talk a little bit about what makes somebody what makes somebody actually um, what makes somebody act like a grown up? And I think that a lot of it has to start with the amount of respect we pay our own selves, and the amount of like self-respect that we have. Absolutely. Um, and also like the, it's like a reflection of whether or not we feel heard. It's a reflection of how we exactly. feel we have to communicate. And so you all of this it. stuff, when you see other people out there and you see these like, I mean, some of the people I respect the most, like since the election, like I'm not a Trump fan but like there is a very very like very uh, clear line that people have crossed in in terms of how they discuss what's happening in our world and our administration right now and it just turns into this like when there's so much free-flowing hate speech and and just like a reduction of our intellect into these sound bites that are just full of like fucking I mean, intolerance and hate. And I think it's just um, when I think of like people acting like grownups, I think it starts and I and I'm like a really, you know, like I like like you or maybe not not like you, but Gabby Bernstein was one of my first teachers. And one of the first what I came into contact with her in 2012 and I did May Cause Miracles, like the 40 day thing. And one of the first things that I dropped from my agenda was the gossip, right, the gossiping. And and also this like this, this communication style that is like keeps us stuck in these cycles of feeling like in order for us to have anything to add to the conversation or in order for us to communicate, it has to like also be as a result of, of taking someone else down. And so I do think that there is this like really important fact, like this really important piece of this when we talk about what it means to be a grown up is that at first we actually treat ourselves as grown-ups and we respect ourselves as grown-ups um and then and and also like there's all these other things that layer into it which is also talking to other people in a way that you know um revolves around a love ethic and and talking to people and realizing like the difference between liking something and loving somebody um i feel like i'm just going off on a tangent mm-hmm. here but i just no, i'm curious say it again. when you say, say it again say when it again you say, there's a difference yeah. yeah go, no. Please go ahead. There's a difference between liking someone and loving them. Um, I can honestly say I love Donald Trump. Right. Um, I know. I can I say that too. I do not like him. No. I do not like that man. Right. Um, I do not <laughs> like that man. I do not like his policies at all. Right. Um, his presidency 
is breeding, we see the evidence of it, is breeding a dangerous, radical ideology that spits in the face of the values that make me proud to be an American. Yeah. Um, that very first idea that birthed our nation, that all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, it has never been honored. Uh, it was an aspirational ideal more than a declaration of actually what's happening, of the truth. But, you know, this is a struggle for progress that's been the inheritance of every American uh, since the founding of America in 1776. Um, and we've made great strides toward the fulfillment of that ideal. The abolitionist movement, the civil rights, the suffragette movement, the civil rights movement, marriage equality. And Donald Trump is um, stalling that progress. He's stalling that progress. And I love him as a, as a soul to soul. I love him. I know once this life is over for both of us, we'll see each other and have an experience uh, a great sense of love for each other. But um, this time around, you know, that November, last November, uh, I think we all took a psychic hit. Um, and I think what you're talking about, Holly, mm-hmm. is um, the spiritual community, some members of the spiritual community, the higher consciousness community, um, don't seem to have taken that that psychic hit very well. Um, I thought back, you know, Marianne Williamson said, after the election, when we were all, you know, so many of us, I I should say, um, were stunned. I was stunned that that cloudy morning. It's always fucking cloudy. Excuse me. (laughs) On that rainy morning. It's always cloudy. It's always cloudy. Actually, they say because when you're in a a bit of a down, they say because I've kind of figured it out. They say because when you're in a bit of a a down mood, you you store your memories better. And interesting. No wonder we remember the the. the I also just happen to like that that you do start off these stories with what the weather was like. I think it's good. Keep going. Like go with it. Go with it. I don't know why. Maybe I should stop. No, I I like it. I I like it. On a cloudy morning with Jordan Pot. So I, I. I went to bed early that night before it had been called. Yeah, and yeah. when I woke up, I told I, I woke up and I always just wake up and 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 um, focus on my breath before I get out of bed. And I have a little mantra I say to myself. And in that mantra, very clearly was, "Don't look at your phone." Mm. And so instead, I said, "Okay." I put my phone in my pocket without even looking at it, um, and put on my sneakers and went to the gym. And it was at the gym that I, you know, I got on the treadmill and looked up at the TVs and all 15 of the TVs in front of me, Trump, 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 Trump. And I was just like, well, if there ever was a time for a run, it's now. Um, And and after that, I didn't, you know, a lot of us didn't know what to do with that energy. But Marianne said something, Marianne Williamson said, um, we do have to give him a chance and we do have to respect him as our president now. Mm-hmm. And she said, there is an illumined quality about the office of presidency that might change him once he settles in. And I thought, okay, I can hang my hope on that. Yeah. You know, em- um, Emily Dickinson said, uh, hope is a thing, you know, in your heart with feathers on it. And, and I yeah. thought, okay, this is like a little thing that I can, this is the little feather in my heart that, this office does have an illumined quality about it. And maybe once he gets there, he'll sit in that office alone and go, whoa, 
okay, yeah. right? Yeah. And that single sentence gave me hope. Um, and, and so I, along with millions of others, held some hope that Donald Trump would recognize that sacredness, right? right. Of being appointed to the highest office in our nation. Right. But the truth of the matter is that he's gravely disappointed America, um, her allies, and I cannot in good conscience as a spiritual leader and as a citizen continue to hold hope for an administration that consistently fails to advance that very first idea that all people are created equal. equal. And so really leadership has been important to me my entire life. I've always been the person on the playground, um, you know, leading, leading the way. And, um, Mm -hmm. so, and I, so I, I, I value so much that ability and that responsibility that comes with the ability to move hearts and change lives for the better. And, and, I, and I've always known that a true leader, a true warrior, has a reliable moral compass with which he or she you know, makes decisions for the good of their people, you know, serving as a kind of benevolent monarch. I love the idea of a monarch in a modern sense. Like, What does that mean to hold an ideal, to hold a vision and lead people with it? Um, and, and he... Donald Trump seems to lead with no moral compass whatsoever. And there's nothing about his style of leadership that, ins- that is dignified or inspires a sense of brotherhood. And many Americans right now, as we're speaking, are suffering under his watch. My Iranian friend, um, when he first enacted the so-called Muslim ban, um, my Iranian friend who I've known for 10 years, um, who's my dearest friends, uh, her family was coming to visit and they were barred entry and they had to turn away. And she was very upset and said, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. This feels so crazy to me. This feels yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Um, and so, so I comp- wholly repudiate Donald Trump and his administration. But I, I also thank God that this happened because had this not happened, had we been living with a Clinton administration right now, I don't think we would be experiencing this incredible stirring um, of Americans from their political yes. slumber. That's what I we was going to... That's are awakening, what, right? That's one of the things I want to ask you because I think it's so important since you started off with the Aquarian Age, I think, you know, like just if, you know, if you studied it and you know what's happening, you know that it started. It started a couple of years ago, the full transition into it. And we know, we knew to expect, right? We believe in this. We knew to expect that this hierarchical structure would fall, would crumble, and it would be really painful as it did. And for mm-hmm. me, in the entire lead up to the election, what I saw is if we if we nominate Hillary Clinton, it's the same. The addiction, like the addiction epidemic, remains the same. Poverty remains mm-hmm. the same. Healthcare remains the same. the 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 needle is never going to be moved until the actual constituents themselves are fired up to move and most people are fucking complacent and so for this for like this is for me this was i think the biggest signal i felt that things might change and yes it's going to be so fucking painful but this is the change that we needed to see to actually get people awake and also to start to motivate us towards building the system doesn't work it just doesn't work the system we've created there are many benefits to it 
But if you look at like the fact that we, for instance, jail 25% of the world's population, right? Or if you look at, for instance, like what's happening with with what with immigrants and, and detention facilities, if you look at what happens with our homeless population, if you look at all of these things around us, we may be progressive in some areas, but we're like we are a society that that steps on people's necks. And that believes every man for himself, and and pull yourself up for your bootstrap from your bootstraps. And well, you know what? When people's my grandmother growing up always said, "Pull yourself up by your bootstraps." My, um, you know, that said, um, and, and I live by that. I, you know, when you're, you know, it's like after a breakup, after a job loss, after those moments that really hit you, you do say to yourself personally, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on. Get this going. You can do it, right? That, that that's a really healthy, vigorous mindset to have. But people can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps if, if they, they don't have, have boots. Boot, if they have no boots, exactly. And a they lot of no people boots. in our country have no boots, and so it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, you know. I I I mean, it's easy for for in the spirit in the higher consciousness community, and I'm talking about the kind of you know uh, followers that we have, right? in the recovery mm-hmm. community, in the spiritual community, um, we got a lot of white women. Yeah. We got a lot of white women. Yep. And we have a lot of white women. Of means. Of, of means. This mm-hmm. is not to say, listen, I'm the first person to say, I own my identity. I was born um, in, in privilege. I never had to want for anything. And I'm white um, I look a certain way. I sound a certain way. I my parents paid for my education. I'm privileged, right? So, you know, Toni Morrison wrote, "When you're given power, empower somebody else." That's just like, that's just like, duh. If, right. if you have power, you reach back, you you pull other people along with you. So yeah. great. So all the you know the white women listening who have money white men, whatever, or even if you're black, you got money, you reach back and help other people. That's kind of the whole point. I mean, for me, I guess this is part of, this is the, the part of the side of millennials that uh, is not talked about a lot. Uh, we're naturally humanitarian. It comes to us naturally. Um, we sp- we're, you know, studies show we're willing to spend more money on something if it's for a good cause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. And so this is like natural for me. Of course, you reach back and you help other people. Um, Like, duh. And so today, you just got to help people. I mean, the the people who comment on 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 my posts and say, you know, I wish you didn't. I wish you'd stick to what you you you. you, 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 What am I trying to say? I I wish you. People say, I wish you'd stick to your job. To to like, don't talk about politics. Yeah, like stick to your field of work. And I said, yeah, I wish Donald Trump would have done the same thing. Um, yeah, well, well there's so many things to say about that. I, w- I, wish, I wish he stuck to reality TV. Um, and so listen, if, if he can do it and you're okay with that, then let me in, okay? Because yeah. I'd like to talk about it too. Yeah. And nice people made the best Nazis. Uh, my grandfather's family was murdered in the Holocaust. My great uncle, after whom my father is named, uh, was was murdered at um, at Birkenau, and and he probably died doing leapfrog um, from cold or starvation. Um, he was a political dissident. He was an intellectual, and he ran an underground Jewish newspaper. Um, the Holocaust and the ideas 
um, that gave rise to the Holocaust are important to me. So too are the miracles and the grace that came from the Holocaust. The idea that um, there were people, um, the righteous Gentiles, as Jews call them, the non-Jews who hid Jewish people in their basements and who were willing to risk to put their lives at, at in grave danger to help other people, to help sometimes in the order of hundreds or thousands of other people. And so um, when you choose not to focus on politics and just focus on the happier things, you know, because and you use, as you said, Laura, you know, spiritual bypassing, which is to say what you focus on expands, Right. what you focus on expands. Don't focus on the negative no, because listen, in Nazi Germany, in Munich, there were lovely, kind people who turned their heads as their neighbors were dragged away. Right. Um, and that's not the kind of, that's not, I don't want to die and look back and say, yeah, I could have I helped. I did it when it was I easy. Did, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, and, 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 and it's like the idea of, of, of not saying something to protect your brand or to protect your um, keep followers, your bank account or something is just wild to me because I believe in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how you, the, how you can hold those two beliefs. Um, I believe in God. I believe That's in right. righteousness. I believe in grace. And I know that by doing the right thing, by asking God in my prayer, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? That if I feel called to speak out, against um, against te- terror and against um, hatred and bigotry that I will be given everything I need. That's right. um, God does, A Course in Miracles says, God does not give you a goal without giving you the means for its accomplishment. That's right. That's yeah. right. Who are you? So I love all of that. Yes, yes. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, I'm deciding which way to go. So you kind of, you hinted at a couple of things. You quote A Course in Miracles, the prayer that you just said, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom is what I say in the morning? Because it makes sense to me, not because it's from any particular book or whatever. It's the one that makes the most sense to me. Who? So who are your teachers um, that you look to now in these times? Hmm, Who are the people that you're, that you're watching that makes sense to you? Well, I wouldn't be doing what I do today if it were not for Marianne Williamson. I first read her book, Everyday Grace, mm-hmm. in 2009. And around that same time, we were just talking about where I was like, hmm, what's going on? I read Everyday Grace, which isn't one of her most popular books. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I said, wow, here's a person who's clearly intelligent. Um, an intellectual, and she's speaking about these principles that are often sort of um, couched in um, s- flowery mysticism, I'll say. Yeah, um, and she sense. was talking about it in a really smart way. And just given my upbringing, with my parents, you know, require, you know, demanding of me to speak with intelligence, uh, she was a good guide for me. She was a, a helpful blueprint for me in terms of how to speak about these issues um, yep. of the heart. Um, and, and while using the word God also, which mm, I, yeah, yeah. I was also raised by atheists. So all of this was new oh, to me. Oh, uh, interesting. So, but you, you, then you, you skipped over it or you, or, or 
it just isn't part of what you, I was raised by atheists. I was raised by atheists. I remember being stoned in boarding school and looking out on the top of a hill at a parking. And I went to this beautiful school with in Western Massachusetts where there were trees, beautiful trees and forests. And I looked down at the parking lot with all the cars on it. And I said, what have humans done to the planet? We just destroyed those trees and threw these electronic things and that are buzzing around (laughs) on it. And I thought, I hate humanity. And I was like a misanthrope at 15. Yeah, I really didn't like humanity. (laughs) But you didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in God. But around the same time, I would also wander those woods and look down and look at the little ants. And they moved with such purpose. (laughs) And I thought, what you doing, buddy? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was like, how'd you know was, to do that? I was like, I was, yeah, I was like, how'd you know to do that? You're so tiny and you know, like exactly what to do and you're helping, you're helping out. <laughs> You've got a dharma. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And these ants, they're part of this collective conscious that they're, re- they really are. I mean, they, they will die for their queen and, and it's this programming. And then I'd look at the tree and I thought, how does it know how to grow? And then, and really that was the birth for me being on that. I remember sitting on a boulder on a rock in the middle of the forest alone, looking down at this ant on the rock and then looking up at the tree and thinking, what is this programming inside each of these living things? What is this natural intelligence? And that was the birth for me of what I now can conceive to be and call God. The course says language is at best symbolic. But uh, so some words just feel right for us and they, they um, as accurately as they can encapsulate what we feel about something, mm-hmm. but I call it God. And that helped me to appreciate all of the spiritual and religious texts from the past that use the word God. They're just talking about that natural intelligence that I saw in the woods that day. Right. Oh. Are, I, I love talking about this. Are you, when you, was it kind of Marianne who, who, when you when pe- when you heard someone because obviously you were drawn to this sort these sort of concepts like you had it in your heart you you recognized it right but when you heard Marianne talk about God in in the way she does which is very like confidently and resolutely and she doesn't explain it um, were you like oh thank you yes or was it a yeah. language that came to you somewhere yeah else? it was it was it's a more masculine energy Marianne's mm-hmm. energy um, and. Mm-hmm. Um, she has that, she has a Capricorn moon. She has like that, that earthy, more masculine energy and a lot of spirituality, um, and new age spirituality or new thought is often couched in, um, a feminine energy that is obviously very important. Um, so much of my personal work is about balancing the energy between masculine mm-hmm. and feminine, especially as a queer person, um, being able to honor the divine feminine within me and honor the divine masculine and with Marianne, it was a sort of more masculine delivery that I think is um, needed in these times. I pulled right. a card this morning from I pulled a card this morning, uh, an oracle card um, from my friend Kyle Gray's Angel Prayers card deck, and it mm. said, "I'm Divine Father." And I do think that we need the Divine Father as well as the Divine Mother. Wait, what did it say? You cut out at least for oh, me, I'm and sorry. I want to make sure. That's okay. It said, the card said Divine Father. 
Oh, okay. Just divine so father. I was saying, I, I do think we need the divine father as much as we need the divine mother, that masculine energy within us that is um, a warrior, a lion, um, that is willing to go, go, go to battle for what yeah. we, for what, for what, um, really matters to us. So I would say Marianne Williamson, um, but before her, Oprah Winfrey, um, was the spiritual queen mother for so many of us. I mean, the ability to broadcast to, you know, millions and millions of people five days a week, um, for 25 years yeah. and to carry a, a message of empathy, um, to those people in a hundred and, you know, 140 countries around the world is so, is so, um, inspiring for me. She really is a, a, a role model for me. But today I want to answer, I really do want to answer for you and for myself, who is my teacher today? Mm-hmm. My teacher today is... You can have more than one too. <laughs> I would say I have two teachers. My teacher today is Jesus, mm-hmm. who... Again, I was raised by atheists um, as as a as a Jew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I guess today he's my favorite. Where do you Jew. learn about Jesus then? Okay, uh, well, I, 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 my entry to Jesus was um, was through Marianne, just because t- a Course in Miracles is a channeled text, um, yeah. and it is the voice of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people don't talk about because they think it'll freak people out. But um, as I've said before, I think people can handle it. <laughs> keep your mind open <laughs> you know maybe you're you know irish catholic or something and you and you have this idea of of christianity well jesus says you know the course is written in christian terminology using decidedly non-christian in a decidedly non-christian way the jesus that um is often written about is not the the real jesus and i don't even want to argue with people about who the real jesus is because i know who he is in my heart and why um, do you like him so much? I I think to even speak about it would diminish it. So I I I won't even go there. But he okay. Yeah, he that's fair. I me, mean he is for me a a a guy he's an elder brother. He is mm-hmm. he walks alongside me and when I focus on my pain, I lose sight of him. And, yeah. you know, he, he's, he, he, he said in the old Testament, I, I am with you always. Um, uh. and, and he elucidated that in, um, in the course he said, and I was walking along the street the other day and I was having a moment of, um, worrying, you know, you just get lost in worrying about something because you think that you need to figure everything out in your life, right? Because you're the only one, you're alone, right? You got to figure everything out. You got to figure it out. So I'm walking down the street. By the way, this is a bright, sunny day. (laughs) I'm walking down the street and I'm worrying and I look over and there's a a sign that someone painted and it said, I am with you always. Yeah. Yeah. And then synchronicity, I look down at my phone and there's a course in miracles prompt notification. And it says, when I said, I am with you always, I mm-hmm. meant it literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, 
It's my favorite. I actually have it written down right here. It's a little bit different than what you're saying, but it's a, it's uh, the Wayne Dyer. I, one. I am always, I am always. No, it's it's from the Bible. It's Luke. I'm always with you, and everything I have is yours. Yeah. 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 When, I, when I said I am with you always, I meant it literally, and so yeah. that you know gives me chills because yes. um yeah. So for him, he's you know, and he says in the course, you don't need you don't need me, um, but if you don't need to believe in me, he says. But if you believe in me, I can help you just a little bit more. Yeah. And 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 so yeah, I've just experienced whenever I think of him or I call him into my life, into my prayer, into my meditation, call him into a troubling situation, there is always a movement of grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. Who's the other one? So you got Jesus and then Oh, and I would say the other one is is my I would say the other one is my father. Um oh. Awesome. who is a very difficult person and has presented me and my family with a lot of um, challenges um, over the past, over the recent past. Mm-hmm. And so really, um, I, it's a practice for me to honor where I come from, honor the place from which I come, and to also know that sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree. Right. <laughs> that I, I am <laughs> I am my father's child, but I am not my father's choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I can love someone while still locking my front door. Yes. Yes. Such an important thing. And also it's just that I think like our teachers are oftentimes the people that, you know, don't necessarily look like our teachers, right? Oh, no. Yeah. No, our (laughs) teachers are the the guy who said that thing, that insult (laughs) that you'll never forget in middle school. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And if you're, if you're, if your prayer is, you know, show me what this is here to teach me. Yes. Show me what is this here to teach me. Then it all becomes clear. And I think it's also an yeah. important concept for a lot of people that struggle with, like a lot of our people, a lot of people that struggle with addiction. Family is just one of these very, very. I mean, family's hard for everybody. Let's not get that, you know. But there's also, you know, layers of of complexity. Like if uh, your parent is, you know, if your parent is abusing, or if um, if your if your family doesn't understand, or you know, like there's just there's a lot of boundaries that have to be drawn as somebody starts to move through sobriety. And I think it's such an important point to remember that that we actually like we can keep our hearts open but we also get to lock our doors like just because family is family does not mean that we have to completely steamroll our boundaries um and our own oh. progress and path um yeah. it's just an important point danielle How? laporte D- danielle laporte i'm sorry to interrupt i i have to say danielle laporte um, has one of the greatest uh, oh, I know. little, I little I. ditties. <laughs> and and I, I, someone the other day, day came up to me on the street and said, uh, you know, I, um, I need to ask you a question about boundaries. You know, how can I, you know, be a loving person when I'm telling someone to, to leave me alone? You know, how, how, do the, how do I reconcile the two? And I echoed Danielle Laporte in saying, big heart, Open heart, big fucking fence. <laughs> I posted yeah. that the other day. It's 
It's so wide open heart, good. Big bed. It is so mm-hmm. good. You can keep your heart open. You can have a you, huge You must keep bed. your heart open. You must keep your heart open. You must keep your heart open. You must keep your heart open as it's meant to be. That's why we were sent here to this planet to keep our hearts open. Mm-hmm. And in order to keep our hearts open, we need to keep a vigilant watch. Knowing that we have this psychic immune system, we can handle it. We can handle the insults. We can handle this. We can stand firm on the earth, grounded in the root of our being and allow these things to be absorbed by the psychic immune system while keeping our heart open. But when we see something coming, we can say, stop, no. Yeah. And you, as you're saying no, I'm even doing it right now. I have my hands in front of me. And, and, and yet, you know, I would like a big bear hug. I'm saying heart open, but no. Right. Stop. Yeah. And then that just allows you going back to your, like, being able to talk to people like grownups. That goes all the way back to it. It's that level of self-respect and that we put, mm-hmm. you know, that we, that we impart on ourselves that allows us to have adult conversations, right, where we're not just these these open, vulnerable things, but we're actually these things that are able to to say no. So, so we'll. Um, I mean, we have we've asked you a ton of stuff, and not even half of what we had written down. But I think, um, I would love to know maybe one thing that you're like we're like stuck in or struggling with right now, if you're willing to share. Like what's your, what's the thing you're working on now these days? What's, what has been a struggle for me uh, is working in my business and working on my business. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a struggle for me because doing this, I mean, I could do this if I could get paid for doing what we're doing right now all day long, just (laughs) talking. Oh my Um, God. Oprah did it. (laughs) that's true um if i could just get paid for this i mean that would be great um but so i need to because i love doing this so i love working in my business i this is my business this is my work is talking about these ideas with people and that's what i do with people one-on-one and that's what i do on the internet um but when it comes to working on my business itself it's it's of such it's of little interest to me. Yeah, <laughs> and I just like I really that. don't care. And I, and I but I but uh, but that is something I think um, God is challenging me with um, in terms of my sort of leadership and and management capacities um, to be able to so that I can you know turn what I do right. into something that that is um, more impactful. So that's right. something I struggle with, you know, the balance between working in my business, which I w- would rather do all day long rather than, you know, dealing with lead pages and promotions and this and that. And y- you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. But I do. I do it anyway. You'll still get a marketing e- email from me probably within the next two weeks. It is really good. To know. I'm wondering, how do you, when you're doing the stuff you hate, right? Like we all have to do that. We all like, that's the shit sandwich we all have to eat, right? Like we all have to do this part of our stuff that isn't necessarily the fun part. How do mm. you stay content when you're doing that, like how, what is it that you're doing to help you stay content while you are creating a lead page or whatever? I ask for a shift. I really ask for a miracle and a miracle 
comes when you, you know, shift from thinking about something from a mindset of fear to a mindset of love or joy. So when it comes to like writing sales emails, for example, (laughs) um, I used to just really (laughs) – I I used to trudge through them and then hesitantly press send to thousands and thousands of people and and then hope that something good came of it. I kind of like (laughs) hope – and then I realized, you know, someone sent me an email once and said, I look forward to every, mm-hmm. she responded to a sales email and said, I look forward to every email that you send. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I wrote back to her and said, thank you. You'll never know how much I needed uh, to right right. Now. Because what that taught me is uh, people are waiting for what I have to share. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm sharing something that I believe is truly helpful, which it is, I've, n- I've never, never sold anything ever. Right. Ever, right. I've never once shared something that I didn't believe in. Right, and same. That I didn't believe that c- could help people in some right. way. Exactly. And so when I come from that perspective of I'm offering something that's truly helpful, how can I explain it to them, deliver it to them, offer it to them in a way that is truly helpful, that gets them as excited as they should be about this offering? And then my energy shifts. and. Yeah. And it comes out in the way that it was meant to come out. Yeah. Don't you always, it always shifts it. It also shifts it into like, oh, you kind of have like, give it that much respect, you know, like give, give it the respect, like your, your people, the respect. I was honestly hoping you would say something really unspiritual. Like I eat nachos, you guys. And I, and I like (laughs) binge on Game of Thrones. That's what I do. Okay. (laughs) Well, that wouldn't be very inspiring now, would it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be. You, you don't know us that well. <laughs> totally kidding. That's a very good answer, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, it's great. We talked about right. that I, recently, too, just because it is. It's really hard. And there's also this like this yeah. idea when you're working for yourself and you're doing what you love, that you love it all and that you're supposed to be happy oh. through it all. And it's really hard. Like, it is really hard. There's also a lot of stuff that – that I think every, you know, I have a lot of resistance to some things and um, it's hard to find that peace and contentment um, while you're doing it. Yeah. The shit sandwich thing is real. Like Mark Manson has a great article about that. Like basically, you know, you're, you're decide when you figure out what you really want to do, it's deciding what shit sandwich you're willing to eat. And (laughs) a lot of people don't want to eat the shit sandwiches we eat. And I would certainly wouldn't want to eat a lawyer shit sandwich or, you know, the, Right. <laughs> or, uh, you know, basically almost anything else, I think. Yeah, so. no, I, I really can't complain. I, can, I cannot complain doing what no. I do every day. I cannot um, complain. Um, I mean, I could. You could, I actually. Could, but, but really, I choose not to. I, I choose not to. I, I, I have never, you know, complained about what it is that I do. I am so grateful and 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 there comes a time when you just know you're doing what you should be doing and you trust that you're doing it and that yeah as you said there's a part of it that in any job that is like less desirable um but that's true that's why it's called work that's right (laughs) work and it also has its own joy there's a tiny little story i'll share like i was just this morning was a complete shit show in my in my life i locked myself out of my car for an hour and a half and my ex-husband came to help me out and so we were just sitting there talking, waiting for someone to to come um, fix the car, unlock the car. And he was like, okay, give me the update on your book and blah, blah, blah. And he's just listening to me talk. And he's he's a lawyer. And he's like, 
wait, so how, tell me the math here. Like how much are you going to make on this best case scenario? And I, and I was like, Oh, I guess Uh, I gave him some, gave him some numbers or whatever. And I don't know. And then, and then he's like, and how long have you been working on it? I'm like, I depends on how you look at it three years. And he's like, dude, (laughs) that's a fucking lot of work for whatever you're going to get back. And I'm like, you're so right, but I've never looked at it like that. And that's how I know it's like complete choice. You know, it's a total choice. (laughs) Yeah. And the return is just so, I mean, the return is also like, you're also building, like whenever I look at this, like I always look at, I don't look at it in that, in like those like specific stark numbers. No, It's like building this foundation for this thing that you see, this grand vision that you have for what you're building. And this is just another brick in the road. Um, and enjoying like all this, all the little things because yeah. you couldn't possibly do it if you didn't, if you didn't, didn't dig it. Like Jordan, it, if you right. didn't, if you didn't really dig sitting there and talking to people one on one, you there's no way you would be doing it. Still, yeah. you know, year it's after like year after year, yeah, love it, yeah, yeah. because yeah. Anyway, um, thank you. You're so. I, I had so I had so fun. much. I had so much more to say. What do you, know. What, what's Time one thing say. that you wanted to say that you didn't get to say? Anything? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> now I that you said I, that. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I don't... I wanted to talk. I, I I thought we would end up talking about addiction, but I always <laughs> let the, the conversation go wherever it does because uh, that's usually where it needs to go. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say? I mean, we, hmm. we we talked about this ahead of time, and we said what we decided was not every fucking conversation we have do we need to pressure somebody to talk about addiction because there's so many like this is about addiction and recovery, but also that addiction and recovery is about life. So we have conversations with people about all sorts of different things. It all adds up into the same. It all adds up to the same component to the, well, to the same thing. Y- you know, I did pull out a poem. Um, <laughs> And maybe I could read it for you guys. Yes, please. (laughs) Yes. I can read it. This is Laura's jam. This is a poem by by John O'Donohue. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's called For a New Beginning. Oh. So this is a poem for anyone who is starting their path of recovery um, or who is already on their path of recovery and needs to know that there is something ahead of them that's worth living for and pushing toward. Here you go. In out-of-the-way places of the heart where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered. It heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, wondering, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plentitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. 
Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon, you will be home in a new rhythm for your soul's senses, the world that awaits you. There you have it. So good. He's so, he's so good. He's like, good, dear God. I, I know. He's good, right? He's yeah. the, he, he's like, I I listened to his interview with Krista Tippett again last week, and it's one of the most beautiful conversations. He's so he's just beautiful. It's such a I mean, it's it's really such a loss. But I his the question holds the lantern is as this beautiful, beautiful uh, it's I wouldn't say it's a poem. It's more it's an essay. And it's what I read mm-hmm. to my students at the beginning of every school and at the end of every school. And his, I mean, he's just, his words are beautiful. Beautiful. And that's such a beautiful piece. Such a great point to end on. Soon you will be home in a new Uh, rhythm. Yeah. Home in a new rhythm. Well, you know, we got our, right. And you know, (laughs) we got home from Marianne Williamson. So it all ties into this. You did, how? Uh, Because there's two paths away, the path away from God and the the path back. And and that was what we called home. Oh, Beautiful. So beautiful. You guys, it was such a good time. <laughs> I know. I know your voice is like We're butter. So glad we had you on finally. <laughs> your voice is so soothing. I'm so like, of course you have a bedtime meditation album. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I, I, I need, I would go to sleep with you every night. More. <laughs> yes. You should. You should also have a podcast. You should do lots of voice things. Oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll do a podcast. <laughs> oh wait, one last question I have. Why is it called the Bach book? What's that? You know what? Because when I was at Parsons, I did a project. And at the last minute, the teacher said I created this like this project where I collected. uh, It was like a website that collected all of my favorite things or whatever. And he said, "Okay, what are you going to call it? And I'm sitting in class and I said, the Bach book. (laughs) And it's kind of great. And then I just started it and and kept using it. And then my literary agent is a. basically yells at me every week and said, when is the real Bach book happening? I know. That's, that's what, what I thought I wanted too. to know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, don't ask. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't <laughs> ask. Don't about that. If you don't want. ask. My career will be stalled until I write a book. I know. I yeah. know. But, but and oh. so I, I have to write one. And everyone, all of my friends breathing down my back, Jordan, what are you waiting for? And I'm, I, 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 I am, uh, I guess that's my challenge to answer your question, Laura. Yeah, well, it will be born. I know that for sure. I think it just happens when you're ready to do it. Like, there's this crazy pressure to write a fucking book. But I do think, like, I have all the makings for one. And I'm I'm not right. Like, I have so much pressure on myself for it. But I'm not ready to do it. You know, Laura's ready to do it. It's a baby. Don't tell my literary agent. I, I mean, if you're listening, if you're listening, mm-hmm. don't tell him. But I think in in my nine month um, gestation period of this book, you know, my pregnancy of this book, mm-hmm. I'm like maybe at like a, I'm at six months. Like huh. I'm. Oh, I'm, that's I, not too bad. Yeah, no, I thought I you were I'm, gonna say you're like a lentil. But are no, you? No, does no, that no, mean no. you're writing it, or you're about to like get ready? Like, is the labor period gonna be like a year? It's already. It's already like all of the ideas have been written, and a lot of them have been fleshed out. But um, I'm in the. I'm in the third trimester, guys. Okay. I'm in the third trimester. <laughs> that's, that's that's not good. too bad. That's not in bad. The third trimester. Yeah. So you're like a you're like a a cantaloupe. I'm like I love my sister would get an email every day that would be like 
your baby is now the size of, of a, tea, a pea tendril of a walnut. And I'd be like, oh my God, she's a walnut. <laughs> and the next day it's like, she's a nectarine. I'm like, oh, she's a nectarine. <laughs> I got to figure out what my book is right now. It's, uh, I don't know. It's maybe somewhere like a grapefruit or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it will happen and the, we will be anxiously awaiting its arrival. And until then, you're wonderful and lovely. And I'm so glad we finally had you on. Thank yeah, you me so too. much. Me I'm too. honored that you had me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have you back. We can talk about addiction or whatever. Oh, let's. I'll be back soon. You're regular. Okay. <laughs> Love you guys. Love you. Too. Bye. 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 Thank you.